When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. Welcome back to another Q&A episode. I, y'all, I just keep making the same mistake over and over again, and I know that's what we call insanity, but the problem is this. I love spring. I love spring so much, but I have developed allergies over the last couple of years. So fun. And I cannot keep myself indoors. I keep opening the windows. I keep sitting out on the porch. I keep just inhaling pollen like it's my job it's because spring is my favorite season it's the happiest time of year birds are migrating back up north they're in my yard the squirrels are out the bunnies are out and I can't be inside I don't know how my body expects me to just stay inside with the windows closed I can't do it I I can't do it but um, yeah, I'm sneezing a lot. I have a stuffy nose and um, you know, it's not serving me this habit, but I don't think I'm gonna stop, honestly. I think I'm just gonna be a little bit ill for a few months because I can't, I can't. I think I, <laughs> I can't bring myself to do it. The first thing I did this morning was open all the windows and I was like sneezing. <laughs> while I was doing it and I was like I just this is what I'm gonna do this is what I have to do I don't think there is another option so I don't know if you're with me if any other spring allergies spring lovers are out there we are you are not alone but today I am answering a question texted into the podcast phone line about core woundings and the Enneagram. And as a reminder, if you have Enneagram self-care creativity questions that you want to send in, you can always text or call those into 828-338-9127. I answer them every other Friday and yours will definitely get answered. So here is today's question. Hi, Sarah Jane. I love your podcast and your open-minded and constructive approach to the Enneagram. Um, thank you. I love the compliment of being open-minded. It means a lot. And said, I am curious about the core wounding, specifically which Enneagram wounding this sounds like. I can't rely on anyone for anything. I have to be well-rounded and overall competent and self-reliant so that I will never have to ask anyone for anything. That way, I won't be at the mercy of anyone, and I also won't be disappointed when they inevitably fail to help me anyway. The manifestation of their personality is such that they see life as a series of exciting challenges and novel experiences, which don't mean anything special in the grand scheme of things, but which keep them engaged and curious. 
They love personal projects and creating goals to achieve and experience things they've never experienced. They feel that they can face any situation so long as they can write and reflect and turn the situation into a learning experience. Thank you for your guidance. Okay, so I'm gonna answer this two ways. First, I'm gonna kind of give you feedback on what I hear in that particular person. But then also let's just go through the core woundings of each type because I think this is a great topic to, to go over. So for this person, honestly, they sound like a seven. <laughs> um, the core wounding of seven is that like, I have to take care of myself. I can't rely on anyone. And then the manifestation of that is definitely like positive thinking, keeping your mind busy, focusing on the future, making future plans, staying, um, focused on your objectives, your desires, because you're afraid that, you know, if you don't focus on them, who else will? So hopefully that's helpful. But let's get into the core woundings of each type. So we're going to go through each one. I'm going to talk about the wound, the childhood wound, and then how that manifests as adults. And then we'll talk about how we can reparent ourselves based off of our knowledge of our childhood wound. Okay, so the first one, Enneagram type one, the wound here is do not make mistakes or grow up faster. So the Enneagram one childhood wound, it often develops with either a judgmental or critical environment where they feel like they can't make mistakes, or it can develop where the child feels like they have to grow up faster, that they're the only one, they're the only adult in the room. So they can often receive the message that it's not okay to make mistakes or you need to be mature. And Enneagram One in response, right, is often going to struggle with the internal messages of it's never good enough, I'm never good enough, why does everyone else get to have fun, why am I the only adult in the room, and I don't deserve to be happy, like happiness is earned. Often this happens because the child feels disconnected from the protective figures in their lives. It can develop in homes where they're overly strict or overly lenient, critical or lacking feedback, right? So we're seeing kind of two ends of the spectrum here. We're having parents who are a little bit too critical, receiving that message, you're never good enough, nothing's ever good enough, or maybe even parents who are too lenient where the child feels like, okay, I need to grow up so that there's at least one adult here. And in a, as a result to this, ones can often become their own worst critic, taking their actions very seriously and feeling the pressure to always be responsible. So as we get into this, how do we reparent ourselves? We speak to ourselves as the parent who accepts our mistakes, who has things under control so that you don't have to, and who allows room for gray areas and imperfection. So you might speak to yourself when you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to have a perfectly clean home. I know that's a stereotype, but let's say you're putting that pressure on yourself. Then you might have to speak to yourself and say like, hey, you're, you're allowed to have a messy home. It's okay for this to not be done perfectly. It's okay for this to be a little bit off a few weeks here and there. It's okay to do this in moderation. It's absolutely okay for you to make mistakes and to learn from them. It's okay to make mistakes and not learn from them. You are still worthy of love even when you are imperfect. And additionally, as an adult, speaking to your childhood self, into your inner child, you can say, you're okay, you can take a break, I've got this. 
You don't have to overfunction here. You're allowed to rest. Because oftentimes, right, that Enneagram one, it's a, it's a lot of overfunctioning. Because if you think about it, that little kid who's like scared, who thinks I have to I have to be the one in control of this. If I'm not in control, no one else will be. Or if I let the ball drop, I'm gonna be scolded or chastised. What we need to do is comfort that part of ourselves and say like, hey, I've got this, I'm the adult. You don't have to worry about this right now. I promise you that the, uh, good enough will be good enough. And let, and kind of soothe them as the parent to that childhood self. Okay, Enneagram type two, the childhood wound here is that your needs are not important or love is earned. This can often happen from a lack of nurturing or guidance from parental figures. So to compensate, Enneagram 2s begin to prioritize the needs of others and repressing their own. So they may have grown up with the need to feel needed by others, maybe as the teacher's pet or the one who's like, I'm going to be a really good friend or I'm going to make sure that my parents don't have to worry about anything. So as adults, right, that develops into believing that like you have to be of service to others in order to be loved, feeling that you are worthy because of what you do for others, and believing that acceptance is earned through flattery or gifts or service. And this can look like feeling really guilty if you do anything for yourself that maybe seems selfish or self-serving. And so I would encourage you as you start to reparenting yourself Reminding yourself it's okay to be a little bit selfish, that the little kid in you deserved to be a little kid, that kids are innately selfish and are supposed to have the space to prioritize their own needs because they rely on adults to take care of them. It shouldn't be the other way around. And so you as the adult can say to your childhood self, like, it's okay to be a little greedy right now. It's okay to be a little bit selfish that you will be loved even when you prioritize your own needs. You can experience acceptance even in your selfishness. What does the little kid in you want to do today? Do they want to finger paint? Do they want to go out for ice cream? Do they want to not answer their phone? All of those things are okay. Let her or them or him have that. Let them have that space to just play and be little and not have to earn their love and start to build the trust and safety in relationships that you will be loved even when you are not constantly self-sacrificing and to take that even further build the relationships where they are safe to do that because oftentimes right our enneagram types we're building relationships based around our woundings so we might attract a lot of people to us who really like our overgiving who really like when we self-sacrifice when we ignore our own needs they benefit from that not everyone in our life is going to be like that but we will draw people in like that so how can you incentivize the relationships that actually support you being a little bit more selfish than you naturally feel safe to be type three the childhood wound here is that your accomplishments matter more than you do. This develops from a sense that their value and worth are tightly connected to what they achieve rather than for who they are. So 
Along the way, our type threes believe that accomplishing what pleases others can result in admiration, recognition. Maybe they have parents who are like, everything that you do, you know, look at how smart you are, look at how talented you are. They praise you when you get a gold medal, but they maybe ignore the other things that you do. Or when you fail, maybe it's a, a punishment. Maybe they're disappointed in you when you don't do perform as well as they think you should. Maybe you only really get attention when you're achieving. So these things can happen. A lot of times, you know, people feel pressured to not let their parents down through accomplishing things. Like I need to go to law school. I need to get a doctorate because I need to let my parents know that their sacrifices were worth it. So Enneagram threes may go through their life experiencing this pressure to please other people and their definition of success. So they may struggle with not knowing what they want, not knowing what they need because they're so focused on being who they think they're supposed to be according to what success looks like by the world around them. Because of this, they may reject their desires, the truth of who they really are, because they want to be relatable, palatable, charming to others. They can fear rejection. They can fear being letting other people down. They can fear not being good enough. So it's easy to feel like, okay, I'm not... You know, if they get feedback and negative feedback, it can feel like criticism and it can feel like they're failing, which can make them feel as though they're not living up to the standards they're supposed to, which means they might lose their access to love because there's this underlying belief, I'm loved for what I accomplish, not who I am. So as we start to reparent ourselves, we wanna give ourselves space where we don't have to perform. Speak to your childhood self with acceptance of who you are beyond what you accomplish and allow yourself freedom to fail. So the internal message you might wanna to send to yourself is, it's actually really beautiful when you fail because that means you tried something new. It's actually really fun to fail because that means we're playing with life, we're having a good, rich life. It's okay to not perform perfectly. It's okay to show up and not be exactly what other people need me to be. I can be a little bit disruptive. I can be difficult to be around. I'm allowed to be loved even in my darkness, my sadness, and my failure. I can be loved even in my darkness and my sadness and my failure. Because I love myself, I am loved even in my darkness, my sadness, and my failure. All right, type four, the childhood wound, is you're too much or we don't get you. So it often results from receiving a message that you are too much or you have too little emotion or interest in anything. It's you're, you're, you're so different than us. I don't get you. Why are you like this? Resulting in you being bad, being seen as bad or receiving the message that you are bad. And as a result, Enneagram 4s can feel unseen, unknown. They can fear that others may never fully understand them or know them. And they may have a deep sense they are different from everyone, um, which can lead them to wrestling with their identity. They may feel as though their parents don't even try to get to know them, which can feel like they're like wrestling with there's something wrong with me, but I'm also disappointed in my parental figures. And so they may generally feel just like I am outside of this. I am not part of them. I don't belong. And therefore, Oftentimes fours will settle for the sense of like, I'll be special then. I'm gonna be special and unique and different because if I can't belong, at least I'll be unique. 
Fours in general, they strive for authenticity and seek to express themselves as honestly as possible to cope with misunderstandings. You'll often hear fours like over explaining themselves, over explaining how they feel and the intricacies and the details of that, correcting you on how you perceive the way they feel because they want to be known in their intricacy and in the depths of who they are because that was so missing in childhood. And as adults, that can lead them to feeling lonely or melancholic, um, you know, a lot of heartache and longing. Fours may struggle with relating to others, making long lasting relationships and really trusting that they are worthy of love exactly as they are, that there's nothing wrong with them, that they have everything they need to live a beautiful life. So as we go to reparent, the first thing I want you to do is self-validate because a lot of times, right, the, the messages you missed in childhood were that your emotions were valid. So I want you to validate your emotions internally instead of seeking validation from others. Because a lot of times what can happen is the childhood self, the little kid inside of you, what they're wanting to do is amp those emotions up to prove how big they are so that they can be validated by others. So if you can go ahead and validate the little kid in you, self-soothe, you don't have to go to that length. You don't have to go to that intensity just to be validated because you're not looking externally for that validation. You're coming from inside. Also, in general, just don't pursue relationships that don't love you for who you are, right? Like, don't put pressure on yourself to be, be acceptable and pleasing to every person because you are, we all are going to be too much for somebody. So allow yourself to release the pressure to impress anyone and to impress everyone. And then finally, separate yourself from criticism. So one thing that can be really hard for our fours is receiving feedback. And if they're receiving negative feedback, it can feel really vulnerable and tender. And that can make relationships really hard. And so what I would encourage you to do is self-validate so that one, you build a sense of self-trust and self-love that allows feedback to kind of come and go. But also, you know, when you get feedback and criticism, take it as like what I'm doing, not who you are. Everything you do is not who you are, right? Sometimes we, a lot of times fours, especially it's like, I, I make art, so I have to be an artist or I have to be an artist in order to make art. And this kind of like identifying your behavior as your person is not working in, in a lot of ways, right? It's almost like preventing you from doing things you want to do in your life or preventing you from trying things you might be bad at because you feel like I have to be this kind of person in order to do that. In a similar way, when you receive feedback, if what you do is who you are, well then you must be bad because you did a bad thing. Or, okay, so this, I hurt this person's feelings, so I'm a feeling hurter. I'm the kind of person who hurts people's feelings. And if you want to not take that title on, you might say, well, I didn't hurt your feelings because I'm not the kind of person who hurts people's feelings. So what you're saying to me is not true. Both can exist at the same time, right? Because if we can separate ourselves from our actions, we can say, yes, okay, I did this thing that hurt your feelings. I love you. I care about you. I'm not going to choose to do that again, or I'll at least work on that, that behavior. And that doesn't make me bad. I am still okay. I'm still me. I just sometimes, like all people, 
do things that are not serving those rela- my relationships. That's very normal and very okay to do. I can love myself even if I'm imperfect. I am not bad just because I'm not perfect. All right, let's move into type five. Our childhood wound here for type five is your presence is a problem or your privacy will be intruded upon. So a lot of times our type fives receive the message that it's better, you know, children should not speak, better for you to be seen and not heard, or they receive the message that their privacy isn't important and that it can be intruded upon at any time. Their time, their energy doesn't matter. So in adulthood, often they set up really strong boundaries. They may appear aloof or distance. They may avoid intimacy and vulnerability with people. They might need time alone to re-energize and they may make that such a hard and fast rule because maybe in childhood they didn't feel like they could have that. Or maybe in childhood they were forced to have that and so that's how they learned to cope. So as we go to reparent, for fives it's about reparenting and saying it is safe to experience connection. Everyone is not gonna take from you. Sometimes people give back. You are someone people want to know and I'm, you are allowed to have needs and ask for support. All right, type six, the childhood wound here is never be too sure of yourself and the rules are always changing. So this wound kind of occurs from two extremes, either an overdependence upon the opinion and guidance from, you know, really strict authority figures or an unpredictable and consistent or absent loop of feedback, right? Maybe parents who don't whose rules are always shifting and changing so you don't know which is what, or maybe you have two households with two very different sets of rules and expectations. And as a result, sixes begin to lose touch with their intuition. They may fear making the wrong choice because they never quite know which choice is the right one. And they may hope to gain further guidance from authorities, like can someone just tell me what to do and what to expect? So that can lead adult sixes to living in extreme measures by either I'm, you know, I'm going to find support or I'm going to just, you know, push past that that support and rebel against authority figures. They may be suspicious. They may have anxiety. They may fear worst case scenarios. So as they go to reparent themselves, they want to focus on learning to trust yourself based on evidence, right? Like you can say like, okay, in, in the past, the data says that when push comes to shove, I pull through. I continuously show myself that I'm capable, that I'm competent, that I can handle these scenarios. And so next time the situation arises, I can remind myself I've got this. In a similar way, right, as you talk to that childhood self, as the adult, you can say, hey, I hear that you're afraid. It's totally normal to be afraid of things that you don't understand, that you don't know, New experiences are scary, but I've got this. I can handle this. Look at how many times I've handled this before. We're gonna be okay. You don't have to stress because I have this handled. All right, Enneagram seven. The childhood wound here is that you can only depend on yourself. So this one comes from a lack of nurturing and care. And as a result, this type came to believe it's best to only rely on themselves to meet their own needs. They create an intense pursuit of being happy, which can lead to avoiding pain. 
And this can really cause them to prioritize planning for future activities rather than confronting present circumstances. So as a child, an Enneagram 7 really relied on themselves because support and dependability from others was lacking. So this autonomy can often lead to overly independent adults who have a hard time relying on others for their happiness. So they try to generate their own satisfaction. So as we reparent, part of the work for seven, right, is soothing that childhood self who's like, I need to just take care of this. I just need to take care of myself. For me as a seven, my internal message that I hear is if I'm going to have to do this alone, I'm going to do it in a way that feels good, which means I'm about to spend a lot of money or make a rash decision or I'm hiding a vulnerability that I'm trying to protect through hyper-independence. And so when you notice whatever your internal message is here, just kind of soothe the little kid and say, is there a need here that I need to ask? Can I? Who can I ask for support? And what my therapist and I have talked about is like, let the hyper-independence be a backup plan. Like that will always be there. The ability to take care of yourself is always an option because that is so ingrained so instead of like going there right away can you like soften slow down and choose the path of allowing others to support you because a major part of healing as a seven and i don't think this gets talked about enough is letting yourself truly receive love tenderness and attention from others slow, mindful, caring, tenderness, nurturing from others, and then offering like that nurturing back to yourself as well. And accepting the idea that it's beneficial and rewarding to let yourself trust other people, to let others take care of you too. And that's hard. But part of that journey is also recognizing and admitting when something hurts and you're in pain. And and that's where like talking to that inner child is so helpful to say like, whoa, I hear you feeling like you can't rely on anyone and that no one is going to be there when things are hard and that you better just take care of it yourself, make yourself feel good. But that's not the case, right? You have a lot of support. And if you don't have support, you can look for support. And... It's okay to not be hyper-independent in this moment. It's okay to ask for help, to be a little bit needy, and to allow others to support you as well. All right, Enneagram 8, the childhood wound is never let your guard down or an intense early betrayal. So maybe this 8's had an insecure relationship with a parental figure and that uncertainty or maybe even lack of physical safety shows the eight that they need to be powerful and strong. They need to be able to handle the things that come their way. They need to protect others and they need to be able to power up. And oftentimes these eights also grew up fast, similar to the one, because they believed that it was best to be in control and that being vulnerable will create spaces for others to hurt you. So a lot of times as adults, that manifests in anger, avoidance of affection, retreating from others, attempting to control outcomes or decisions or gain power so that they are never vulnerable to to being weak. 
So as we go to reparent ourselves, it's really important to honor your safety, the safety of the childhood self, by not repeating the patterns of childhood. A lot of times our aides end up in patterns of kind of harmful relationships because that's what they were comfortable with. That's what we learned to be comfortable with growing up. So you kind of repeat those patterns as adults. And so you reinforce the message that you can't trust anyone, that people will betray you, that you can't be vulnerable, you can't be weak because people will let you down. And so a lot of the work is I'm going to honor my childhood self by only surrounding them with safe people, with people who love them, who allow them to be weak, who support their vulnerability, who don't use their vulnerability against them. Like this little kid in me gets to be safe and no one is allowed to to betray her or hurt her again. Now, this often happens through not being vulnerable, by just being strong and saying like, I'm going to stay in these like kind of toxic relationships. That's a, I don't know if I stand by that phrasing, but I'm going to stay in these bad relationships because, and I'm just going to be stronger than them. I'm going to just keep them at arm's length. I'm going to be bolder than them. I'm going to be angrier than them and they can't hurt me. But instead, what I want to encourage you to do is to talk to that little self in you and say, you know what, you, because I love you, because I'm protecting you, we're going to get you out of here. And we're going to put you only in spaces where you are safe, where you feel safe to be soft and gentle and allow yourself to be loved in your vulnerability. So we're going to protect our childhood self with safe, nurturing adult relationships, which require your vulnerability. And then speak safety over them when they're scared, when you know I'm in safe relationships. I have nurturing, caring, loving people around me. So then when the childhood self is like freaking out, you know, scared, you can soothe and say, hey, we're okay. I wouldn't put you around anyone who would hurt you. You can trust me. I've got you. We're safe. It's okay to do this. It's okay to be a little bit vulnerable. Okay. Type nine. The childhood wound here is your involvement is not necessary or the one that always makes me cry. It's better for everyone if you don't exist. Oh, that's so hard. A lot of times this happens because they experience either neglect or a sense of being unnoticed. Maybe they have a big family. They're like the middle child and they're just kind of getting lost. Maybe the family had a lot of chaos and they didn't want to add to the chaos. So they kind of pulled back. Um... As a child, the nine often feels deeply connected to their guardians, but in like along the way, they begin to believe that they can keep the peace by not being assertive. So I want to maintain this connection, but I understand that in order to maintain this connection, I need to not be too much. So they might assume that it's best to not be too involved. And then in order to do that as a child, you have to really numb your feelings and your needs. So then they become easygoing, go with the flow, which is very easily reinforced by parental figures because having an easygoing child is easy, right? So that's easily reinforced because it makes it easier for everyone, but the nine is getting lost. So as adults, this can show up as having a hard time making decisions, procrastinating, being afraid to feel um, too intense of emotions, both good and bad. Um, being afraid to share themselves with others, being too open, talking too much, 
speaking too much, taking up too much space because they learned as children, yeah, it's better if you're small. It's easier for everyone if you're small, if you don't speak too much. So as we go to reparent ourselves, I want you to speak to your childhood self about how important it is for your presence to be there. Show gratitude for how you show up every day, contribute intentionally, meaningfully to your relationships, and then thank yourself for doing that. Take the time to share your opinions, your honest thoughts with people that you trust, and then reinforce that behavior by saying like, good for you, you know, encouraging the kid in you who wants to shut up, stay small, make themselves invisible, encourage them and say, I love to hear you speak. I love your opinions. You bring a lot to your relationships. Really encourage that part of you to speak up and share who they really are. All right, friends. So that is our core wound conversation. I hope that this was helpful. Thank you so much for sending in your question. And as a reminder, you can always call or text your questions into 828-338-9127. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you Monday for the next one. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.